today I was asked by beautiful Tracy Eckert to uh, speak about communion, which is called the covenant meal. And I really kind of wanted to go that direction with talking about cutting covenant. And it's a great teaching, but the Holy Spirit said, no, stay focused. I want you to talk about communion. And I'm, we just took it, and I'm sure everyone's pretty familiar with it. John did a great job. He took actually part of my sermon, so we won't have to be here as long. Um, but it's important that we really have an understanding about communion. Several months ago, the Lord gave me a revelation about communion. And he said, daughter, it's not just a religious ritual that you do. For when you take communion with full understanding, there is a heavenly transaction that occurs. There's actually a blood transfusion that goes into you. You see, the blood of Jesus is alive, and it is a substance. It's very tangible. And in the spirit realm, the demons see it and the angels see it, and the demons tremble at the blood of Jesus. And so when you take communion, picture this transfusion that is taking place. And it is affecting every part of you. It is affecting your spirit. It is affecting your physical body. And it's affecting your soul, your mind, and your emotions. So the Lord wanted me to really camp on this. And he showed me a vision or picture of a plug. No, an outlet, not the plug. The outlet, like in the wall, electrical outlet. And he said... A plug has energy and power behind it, right? But you have to be able to access it. And when we take communion, we are accessing heaven. And we are plugging into heaven all its resources and all of its benefits. However, a lot of us have covers. You know, children, small children, you can buy those little covers you put on your outlets. Well, we have covers over our hearts, because when we're taking communion, we really don't understand what we're doing. We just think, you know, this is what you do. You're a Christian. You take communion, right? Um, And so, or we have unbelief. So not rightly understanding it or unbelief, those are things that would block receiving all that the Lord has for you. Now, why does the Lord want me to talk about this today? Because There's so many truths that have literally gone into the dark ages, and the Lord in this hour needs for us to be full and whole, full of the Holy Spirit and whole men and women of God. Just like he restored healing, the prophetic, the apostolic, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, he's restoring this truth to the church because he wants you to be functioning at 100%. So, um... I told you that Jesus' blood is tangible, and it's very real, and it is alive. And in Leviticus 17, I think it was 1711, there's a scripture that says, the life is in the blood, or the life of the flesh is in the blood. When I went and researched, which is stretching me, guys, because I'm not, (laughs) I don't do that. But anyhow, so the Lord told me to go back, you know, and look at Strong's. Guess what blood means? One of the definitions of that blood, oh, in Hebrew, the word is dom, D-A-M. It's wine. Isn't that cool? It's wine. What do we take in communion? Wine. And then the Lord said, hey, 
Go back to Genesis 4 when Abel's blood cried from the ground. That blood was alive. It wasn't running through his veins, and neither is Jesus' blood running through his veins. But that blood, Abel's blood had a voice. It was living. How much more the blood of Jesus? And we want all of that blood. We want that blood to flow through our body, through our veins, through our emotions, through our very being. So, um, oh, and then that same word, blood, was translated to dom again in Genesis 4. And, again, it means wine. So I thought that was really cool. So we all know Jesus was a Jew. The disciples were Jews, so they celebrated the Passover, right? And that's what we call the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper. They were celebrating, and they were remembering. It's interesting, and Jesus told us to remember that he was the Passover lamb. And so they were remembering how God delivered his people from bondage and sin. And so the Old Testament is really a great tutor. It's a great teacher. It gives us instructions. And we're going to go back to that story about the Passover. And I know some of you all are pretty familiar with it. But the Lord gave me a few little um, nuggets. So the, the Passover, what happened then was God was trying to rescue his people and bring them out of darkness, right? Just like he wants to bring us out of darkness. So he's rescuing them, and he's sending these plagues, right? Well, the last plague was the spirit of death was going to go across, across Egypt. Well, he wanted, the Lord wanted to protect his people, so he gave them some instructions. And it's interesting, he told them, you have to participate in this. You're not just going to sit there and let me do all the work. If you go and check out communion, one of the definitions, it means joint participation. And it also means active sharing. So it's not just remembering. There's something that we have to do. Anyhow, so he said, first, I want you to go get a little lamb that is white without spot or wrinkle, and it can't be any older than a year. And I asked the Lord, well, what's wrong with, I mean, why would you want just a lamb? What's wrong with just doing a sheep? You know? What is the difference between a lamb and a sheep? I had to look it up. Okay, so a lamb is um, any, any sheep that is under one years old. And so the Lord said, because a lamb is like a child, it's like a baby, and it's innocent. So it was very important that they had a lamb. And then they were instructed to slay the lamb and to take that blood and then apply it to the doorpost of their home, Right? And when they did that, not only would they be saved, but all of their household and their animals would be saved. Sounds like Acts 16.31. It says, you and your household shall be saved. So when you ask Jesus into your heart and you apply the, the blood of Jesus to the doorpost of your heart, then you have that promise from your father that you and your household shall be saved. So anyhow, um, so the part, we all kind of familiar with that part, but the other part that we kind of skip over is the Lord said, uh, that lamb, you're going to cook it and you're going to eat it. And it's interesting, communion has two parts. So his instructions were twofold. 
And so they ate the lamb, and they had to finish it before the end of the night. So then when they got kicked out of Egypt, they were delivered. Guess what? They were all whole. They were all healed. It says in Psalms 105 that none of them were feeble. Do you know how many people we're talking about here? Do you know how, there was at least two million and some accounts say two and a half million people. God's people. And we're talking little kids to grandpas and grandmas, and none of them were sick. None of them had disease. That's incredible. Could it be that they ate the lamb? Is Jesus the lamb of God? Oh, and one other thing. They uh, left with stuff. They left wealthy. The Egyptians gave them silver and gold. So the Old Testament is a picture of the new covenant, right? And this picture is telling me a lot of things. Not only is the benefit of partaking in the the communion or the Passover meal, there's the uh, salvation. They got saved from their enemies. They were protected from evil, from death. They were healed, and they got their stuff, man. They came out with some wealth and provision. So those are four benefits to taking communion right there. Sign me up. I like it. So, um, okay, well, how often should I do this? So I went and did a little research. I'm telling you, God was stretching me. Um, So found out the early church did it every day. They took Jesus serious. And in Acts 2.46, it says they went from house to house, breaking bread and eating meat, King James Version. So I always read that. I thought, oh, they had some bread with their meat. No, that's not what it meant. It meant they literally took the covenant bread and broke it. And they did that faithfully for centuries. Now, you know, the devil is aware more than we are the power behind communion. And so he was freaking out. He was like, oh, my gosh, these people are incredible. See, the, the early church took communion every day and operated in amazing signs and wonders. And they declared the gospel with boldness. I don't, it sounds to me like a correlation, honestly. So the devil's like, I got to do something. I got to do something. I mean, how can I, I got to come up with a strategy. Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll send a religious spirit in there and I'll convince them it's not that important. So guess what happens? I won't say, well, there was a, the Catholic church was formed and I have nothing against the Catholics because I appreciate them. They, they, uh, at least they do it once a week. So at that time, they, they, <laughs> communion changed. You couldn't do it in your home, house to house. It couldn't be an average, ordinary saint that administered the communion meal. You had to be a priest, and you had to do it in church, and it, it was once a week. So the church started losing its power. Isn't that interesting? Uh, so, you know, again, I, my hats are off to the Catholics because they do it once a week because now you've got non-denominational churches and Protestant churches that maybe do it twice a year. It's really sad. Um, so um, where am I at here? 
you see, um, there was other greats uh, like John G. Lake, Smith Wigglesworth, that, to name two, that understood this principle of the power of communion. So they would take it daily. And Smith Wigglesworth, have you all ever heard of him? He's just amazing. Well, he wouldn't even get out of bed in the morning until he took communion. And let me tell you something about this guy. He walked in health, divine health. Uh, he had one little episode. It wasn't quite little at the time. He had appendicitis. Well, who knows about appendicitis? You have to go to the hospital and get that baby cut out, right? They never touched him with a knife because his prayer was, Lord, I don't ever want a knife to touch my body. So when, and, and so he had to battle and contend for that healing, but he was healed. And so when he went on to be with the Lord, they never did an autopsy on him. So he never had a knife to his body, cut his body. And he was epitome of health. When he went to be with the Lord, he was going to preach. And he was stepping up on the platform, and his body just fell down, and his spirit went on to heaven. Isn't that incredible? You know, I, I would like to, what? <laughs> um, I, I feel like that divine health had a lot to do with him taking communion daily. So, um, there's another story I want to tell from the Old Testament because it is a picture. It's, it's our tutor again. And it's back again with Moses and God's people. They were in the wilderness, and they needed nourishment. So what does the Lord do? He drops manna or bread from heaven. And Jesus was the bread of life, and he was dropped from heaven to nourish us spiritually. So he drops this manna, and it's really interesting that the manna was white, kind of like that lamb, and it had stripes on it. And it makes me think of that scripture in First Peter says that, and by his stripes we were healed. And when the, the Hebrew people tried to take, and they dropped it, the Lord dropped it daily, right? But if the Hebrew people tried to take it any other way, it wouldn't work out. So I feel like that's a type and a shadow. It's an instruction pointing to us here in present day that we need to take this daily. And I'm not trying to establish a law. I'm just encouraging you. I mean, if you miss a day, uh, just, you know, forgive yourself and go on. Um, but anyhow, so the manna had stripes on it just like the Passover bread. When they made the Passover bread, it was unleavened, and they, they had stripes in it, and they actually had piercings. So another picture of Jesus. Again, the devil really, really, really understands the power behind communion, and he understands uh, the power of the shedding of innocent blood. You see, Jesus and that lamb, they're both innocent there's some power that is released that we can't even fathom or understand. But the early church understood it. And the devil is, you know, scared of us learning about this. He really, really is. And I know that 
it's, it's important to him that we don't take communion on a daily basis. But he knows the power so well that all these pagan religions that he set up knew that principle and offered human and animal sacrifices, just like the occult. Because he knows that when there's a shedding of innocent blood, that there is a connection to his kingdom. There is something that, there's a transaction that takes place. And to illustrate this story, I'm going to tell you a story that um, a couple of you have already heard this story. But a couple of years ago, there was the HB2 bill that was going to be passed. And we were going down to Austin to pray about this. And Tracy went, Anne-Marie, several other people from our church. I went to pray and actually to babysit too, not expecting what I saw when I went. I could not believe how many people were there. When I walked in the state capitol, it was like, oh, did I tell you what the HB2 bills? What it was going to do is uh, it was going to mandate that most of the abortion clinics would be shut down in the state of Texas. So if all these abortion clinics are shut down, then guess what? There's not going to be as many abortions, right? So when I walked into the Capitol, it was like a war zone. You could feel the clash of two kingdoms. And the pro-choice people had these orange shirts on, very well organized, had Domino's uh, pizza delivered. Um, They had their little signs. They had chants, songs they had practiced, and they were mad. They were mad. They had hate written all over their face. And then you had the pro-life people, and we were not wearing the same color shirts. And we were just praying and being peaceable and, you know, trying to to love them and stay out of their way because we didn't want to get punched, right? So I saw that the hot, one of the hot zones was the rotunda. Well, in the rotunda, there's a star at the bottom, and Mason was there and a couple other people, and they had been, some of these people had been there earlier in the week. I showed up on the day they were going to vote on the bill. And they said, oh, 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 she's a witch. Oh, there's a witch. There's a witch. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to pray harder. <laughs> Why are there so many witches? And then you see a sign, and it says, murder the babies. I'm telling you, it was, it was crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, so they, some, these people that were some of the witches and the pro-choice, you knew who they were, were really fighting over that star, and they wanted that geography, found out that they had been there earlier in the week doing incantations over the star. So, you know, I'm going to go take some of that star for the kingdom of God. So I stand on the star, and I'm and I'm standing there, and, you know, I'm not trying to be obnoxious. I wasn't loud. And then one of those ladies they told me was a witch came up, came up to me, and then she turned around. So her back is in my face, and I'm talking about no personal space. You know, I mean, she's like right here. <laughs> And then she starts lowering her body. And the next thing I know, she's sitting on my foot. And, you know, and I guess I had one foot kind of out in front. So she's sitting on my foot, and she was quite large lady. (laughs) And I know she was probably trying to tick me off, you know, and start a fight. I have no idea. But I just let her sit on my foot. 
I'm just praying over her head in tongues. And then she, so then she has a backpack, and she starts pulling all these books out. And she's like waving one in my face, and it, I can't even tell you the title of that book. It was triple X, you know. And then she pulled another book out, and it said, Abortion, Alternative Contraceptive. And that's sad? So I just kept praying and praying and praying, and I guess she got tired of my foot being up her butt. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have said that in church. Um, okay. <laughs> but <laughs> anyhow, so <laughs> y'all can edit that, right? Okay, so um, <laughs> she <laughs> so she finally stood up, you know, and my foot's all numb, and uh, so I'm like, I think I'm done with this area, and and so I left, um, and and then I thought, well, I'm gonna go try to get in the Senate chamber. Oh my gosh, I think the Senate chamber was on the fourth floor, and there was a line all the way down to the first floor, and then some. So I don't think I'm gonna get in there today. So many people turned out, but our group got to get in there. Tracy was in there, Anne-Marie. So we're getting texts from them, and one of the texts was Anne-Marie saying, I'm sitting next to four witches, please pray, you know. <laughs> and, and what we found out that not only were they organized with pizza, but they were passing out adult diapers. They were wearing them. Depends. I mean, I would never think of such a thing. But what would happen if you got into the Senate where they're going to vote on the bill, but if you had to go to the bathroom, if you got up and left, you lost your space. You lost your seat. So they could sit there in their pee all day long until the voting, right? Then I heard the report, oh, they just apprehended some people trying to get in with jars of paint and feces. Rick Perry was had a heads up or just... He just a really wise man of God because he had so many patrolmen there. And there was security getting in and then security before you got into the Senate chamber. So they were planning on throwing poo-poo on the senators. Okay, you can edit that one too. So, I, I mean, what in the world? You know, and, and we, then we got a good report. Anne-Marie was able, able to uh, move away from the witches. So later on in the afternoon... The witches, I guess, had these outer garments. I hope I'm telling the story correct. They had these outer garments. They stood up and screamed, blood-curdling screams, threw off their outer garments. There was white garments underneath and went like that. Okay, so they had, like, blood packets, ketchup, whatever, and it was all in this lower region. Then they ran to the rail and tried to handcuff themselves to the rail. I think one made it trying to disrupt, because they had disrupted before, they had to go into a special session to even vote on this bill. So if they could disrupt enough, so the bill had to be voted on and passed by midnight. Weird rule. Um, so anyhow, I mean, my goodness. They went to a lot of trouble, don't you think? Uh, so there was a lot of other crazy things that happened. But we, uh, oh, I have to tell you this part because it was so exciting. Uh, it's a great story to tell when you're living it. You know, it's kind of nerve-wracking. It's getting later in the day, close to when they're going to vote, and then the 
patrolmen are saying, okay, you're not safe because they have a plan and they're going to rush. They're going to stampede the pro-life people. And the pro-life people, I guess, had kids and went home. I mean, they started diminishing, but there was more pro-choice people. So they went and hid us in these representatives' office, which was nice because we had a big monitor. We could hear some of the, the speeches. And, and um, we actually had a baby with us. So we're sitting in there, and then we look out the window, and we're like, oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my gosh. There was more and more and more people coming with the orange shirts, and they were surrounding the Capitol, and they were marching around the Capitol. Not good. Then we get a report. This is all through text. They apprehended somebody with a gun trying to get in. Then an AR-15. So I'm thinking, well, I guess we're spending the night here because I'm not leaving and all that. Um, the bill was passed, praise God. And then, you know, I'm really thinking we're just going to be sleeping in that office. Um, we got word that they were able to wrangle all of the uh, pro-choice people, get them out the front door, and they were going to sneak us out the back door. So it's pretty exciting, wasn't it? So I uh, had to find out you know, what was going on. I prayed about it. Like, why did they go to so much trouble? What's all the fuss? And why were there so many witches there? Why would they care? And I know Tracy was praying for Revelation too. And this is what the Lord told me. They're going to lose power. They're going to lose power. Because an unborn baby is very innocent. And that's the shedding of innocent blood. And I think the number was like 90% of the abortions in the state of Texas would be removed once this bill was passed. And so they were going to lose power over this state, and that's why they fought so hard. Is that incredible? And I want to submit this to you. Texas is one of the most prosperous regions in the world. And we are the most prosperous state. In the last two years, our unemployment rate has dropped. Businesses are moving here. I mean, we are so blessed to be here. Could it be? Could there be a correlation? So if the enemy knows the power of the shedding of innocent blood, why are we in the dark? I believe that the enemy has blinded our eyes. I truly believe that. And, and the Hebrew priest would take an innocent lamb, and they would slay it daily, and they would do it in the morning and the evening. And they say that, oh, man, about 300,000 gallons of blood was share, shed annually for, for sacrifice, with all the sacrifices they did. That's a lot of blood. We don't have to sacrifice animals anymore to release power in the kingdom. But Jesus told us to remember his sacrifice. And not just to remember it, not to go through a ritual, but to share in that sacrifice and to receive it openly. Do you have your Bibles? Can you turn to 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven? And I'm I'm getting close here to wrapping it up. Now it's gonna be kind of hard to follow me because I'm doing this out of the amplify, but I felt like really shedded, shedded, is that a word? A lot more light on these scriptures. And this is a strong scripture. Okay, are you all there? 
So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in a way that is unworthy, what does unworthy mean there? It's not that you're a sinner. That's not what it means. It means treating common. So if you're taking communion and treating it as common, and you're just going through the motions, because this is what we do in church, right? When they pass out the grape juice and the cracker, we take it, and it helps us from not being so hungry. That's what that means. (laughs) Um, And keep going. He will be guilty of profaning and sinning against the blood of the Lord. So if we're not rightly taking communion, the best way of of, um, explaining this is saying that basically we're just disrespecting the blood sacrifice that Jesus did for us. Go on to 28. Let a man thoroughly examine himself. If you go back to the Hebrew, Hebrew there, examine means it's very similar to unworthy. So make sure that you're not doing this flippantly. That this is not just a, a routine that you're doing. So let a man thoroughly examine himself. This is a holy moment. This is a very sacred and holy moment. Because heaven is being released into you. And the blood of Jesus is being released into you. And only when he has done so should he eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So don't even take it. Until you really are ready to do it rightly. Okay, so 29. For anyone who eats and drinks without discriminating and recognizing with due appreciation. So recognizing, really understanding and appreciating that it's Christ's body. Eats and drinks a sentence, a verdict of judgment upon himself. Okay, I don't like that judgment word. So what does that mean? The earth is under judgment. When Adam and Eve fell, sin entered the world, and so did sickness and disease and lack and poverty and depression and a whole bunch of other stuff. And so when we are not connecting to the source of life, then we're living in the earth, and we want to live in the heavenly realm. And we need our B12 shot daily, and that's communion. Okay? So that's the judgment. So we're not going to be walking in the blessings of God. We're going to be walking in the earth where there's sickness and disease. It's your choice. And let me remind you, they're talking to the early church, and they did it every day. So let's go to 30. That careless participation... Remember I told you communion meant joint participation? Our part is to believe and receive it worthily. Is the reason that many of you are weak, sickly, and quite enough of you have fallen into this sleep of death. It's pretty strong, isn't it? And I feel like this also applies to people that just aren't even taking it too. Because they're living in the earth. They're living under the judgment of the earth, and they're not living, they're not being connected to the heavenly benefits. It is finished. Jesus is not going to get back on that cross and do that again. He's the ultimate sacrifice. 
but he commanded us to participate with that sacrifice and to fully respect it, recognize it, understand it. You see, when he went to the cross, he died for our sins, right? His blood covers our sins. And he could have skipped the scourging part. And he could have skipped the part where they put the crowns of thorns on his head. But he chose to go through those other steps. We'd also get to go to heaven. And he could have skipped those steps. But he allowed them to whip him, brutally beat him, and scourge him. Because he paid the price for your healing. There's 39 different categories of diseases, and he was whipped 39 times. He could have just let him whip him twice, but no. He wanted to pay for every disease known to man. And when I take communion, I remember that scene. That cat of nine tails that they whipped him with had metal in it. And it was ripping his flesh off. The pain that he endured, the torture, let it not be in vain. Whatever disease or sickness that is plaguing you, see that disease on him. Because he he put in place a transaction. He took our diseases on him. By his stripes, we were healed. And he gave us healing. He took the disease. See cancer on his back. See diabetes. See rashes, migraines, high blood pressure, autoimmune disorder. And then the crown that they pierced in his head, that was for our mental well-being. So he took depression. He took mental illness. He took it all. So when we take the cup and the bread, the body and the blood of our Lord, let's take it worthily. Let's Remember and understand that that bread of life is going into us and it is healing our bodies. I'll tell you uh, one, two stories and then I'm going to close. Joseph Prince, I watched a video of a testimony about the power of communion. And he was sharing a story about they were going on a mission trip and one of the ladies got real sick. She ended up in the hospital she got into, she was in a coma, and they weren't expecting her to live, and they said, if she lives, she's going to be a vegetable. So Joseph Prince and the family went into that hospital room, and they had communion. The next day, she got up out of that hospital bed, 100% healed, totally whole, and she went on to the mission trip. Then he shared a story, his personal testimony. He said, I had this rash, and I went to the doctor, and it was, uh, you know, I don't like the medicine he was going to give me. It was really going to jack me up. So I just decided I'm just going to trust God. 
He said, so faithfully, every day I took communion. And he said, this went on almost a couple of years. And then one day, it was gone. So I don't know why the Lord does the instant, and then sometimes, you know, the healing takes a longer process. But I know he's your healer. And he's my healer. And I want to be all that God has destined me to be. And I want to be operating on all cylinders. You know, I want to be whole. And I want you to be whole men and women of God. Because the Lord needs us all in this hour. Because this harvest is going to come in. And we can't be sick and decrepit. How are we going to minister to them? You know? So, um... I just want to, Mary, if you'll go ahead and come up, and um, she's going to play the piano, and we want to agree with you up here. We want to, prayer team, come up here. If there's anything that's plaguing you, we want to agree with you in prayer, because communion is one of the ways the Lord will minister healing to you. He has many ways. He's multifaceted, so creative, isn't he? And, and then if there's anything else going on in your life, we would like to pray with you. And don't let the enemy talk you out of it. You don't know how many times I used to run up to this altar. Nobody is going to care if you're up here. I used to always worry about, well, what are people going to think about? You know, <laughs> I'm a mess. Yes, I'm a mess. Um, also, if there's anyone here that does not know Jesus, doesn't know this healer that loves you so much, come talk to me about it. He loves you dearly. He wants you to be part of his family. He wants to wrap his arms around you. He loves you so much that he went through that horrific death so that you could have eternal life.